This story is not about the presents under the tree. It's not about the sails, or the songs, or the snow. It's about a promise God gave us for every time we feel isolated, forgotten, lonely, for everyone who needs connection, closeness, warmth, or just to know they're not alone. This story's about Emmanuel, God with us. So once again, if you're just joining us right now, my name is Grant. Welcome to the Christmas season. We're in week number three of a series called With. A week ago last Monday was a very busy and interesting day. My wife and I do a podcast together. It's called Continuing the Conversation with Grant Laurel Fishbook. And, and we did a podcast with uh, uh, an incredible young lady. Her name's Ashton Whitmire. Some of you know her as Enneagram Ashton. And we did a, a special Christmas bonus episode. It was a joy-filled podcast. And Ashton just simply helps people understand who they are. That's basically. So if you need to understand a little bit more about you and how you work and how you're wired, this would be an amazing gift um, for you at this Christmas time. A podcast is available on all the major podcast platforms and the consistent feedback we've gotten so far is that people have laughed all the way through the episode. So if you'd like to figure out who you are and you need a Christmas laugh or a little bit more joy, I'd invite you to listen in and laugh along with us. So we finished the podcast and then I thought I should probably take my wife out for lunch and I thought we should probably go to a nice romantic date and so uh, time was a little crunched so when we got to Jimmy John's um, <laughs> what <laughs> in the last service I actually said you guys should pray for me if that's my definition of a romantic date and somebody in the front row said we're gonna pray for Laurel I'm like okay that's <laughs> true good all right so we go to Jimmy John's and I run inside because Laurel's on her phone talking with a friend and so I go inside, I order two sandwiches with all of the extra stuff, with chips and with Coke, because it's Christmas and none of us have had enough sugar yet and we get permission at Christmas time to do that. So I paid for it with a credit card and then I realized as I'm looking at this pile of stuff, I don't have enough hands. So I grabbed both of the sandwiches and I stuck them in the pockets of my Coke and then I grabbed the drinks and I grabbed the chips and, and I head out the door and as I'm crossing the road, some of you know the store I'm talking about, little Jimmy John's over by Bed Bath and Beyond and you know, I step off, there's a road there and I'm heading out towards the parking lot and as I'm walking along, getting ready to step on the medium, I, I hear a plunk behind me. Well, it was more like a splat. Kind of a plunk with a splat, okay? If you know what I'm talking about. And I turn around just in time to see a guy in a really nice car drive over my sandwich. <laughs> there was no way he couldn't have seen it. So it was a malicious act of sandwich murder that happened right in front of me, and he needs to watch out because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Okay, all right, just saying that. So I took the stuff to the car, put it in the car. I went back and picked up the lifeless body of my sandwich, and I took it back inside to its Jimmy John parents who had made it and created it out of love. And they're still working behind the counter. And I told them what happened to my squashed sandwich. And, and they gave me a new sandwich just for telling them the story and making them laugh. So kudos to Jimmy John's and your staff. So here's the thing. Many of us think that whenever anything bad happens to us, that it means that God is not with us. And that's not true. 
I put it in your outline this way. We make an incorrect assumption that when something goes wrong, that God is not with us. We think mistakenly that if God is with us, then nothing bad will ever happen to us. We, we make the wrong conclusion that all of the sandwiches will live because if God is good and he's with us, that, that, that nothing bad is ever going to happen. And we never stop to think that the reality is if God had not been with me and pushed me onto the median, <laughs> that the dude may have driven over me, not just my sandwich, right? We're so quick to believe that when anything bad happens, that suddenly God has been absent, that he's not paying attention, and we forget that everyone in the Christmas story, the story of God being with us, that every single one of them faced challenges, difficult moments. I mean, think about it for just a second. Mary's facing an unplanned pregnancy. She's, she's pregnant, and all she has is this crazy story to try and explain to her fiancé about what happened. Joseph's reputation is completely wrecked. The, the shepherds are working a night shift outside. The wise men are, are miles from home. No family, no community. Elizabeth, one of the first people we meet in the story, is pregnant. She's also close to cracking a hundred. And her husband, Zechariah, loses his voice because he messes with the wrong angel. I mean, there's some bad challenging stuff in the story and i'm not even going to mention the political climate the infanticide and the shadow of the roman empire that's over top of the whole thing here's my point even though some bad things happened in the christmas story god was with every person who chose obedience in the face of adversity he is with you like grant my life is really hard right now he is with you but this isn't going the way i planned he is with you we've been talking about the most prominent and prevalent promise of god in the entire bible it's repeated over and over and over again it's the promise that no matter what is happening around you god is with you here's another promise listen to jesus talk in john chapter 14 if you love me keep my commands well that's a message we could preach all day every day if you love Jesus keep his commands and then it goes on and says and I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth let's start at the beginning of the promise if you love me keep my commands in the Christmas story where we do find some bad things happening to really really good people we find a short line of disobedience and it starts with a guy named Zechariah I've always struggled with the Zechariah part of the Christmas story. If you don't know the story, let me give you the background. So Zechariah and Elizabeth are an elderly couple who've been struggling with infertility for decades. They've been struggling with it for so long that honestly, they've given up, they've given up ever having a child because honestly, at their age, to be with child would have been both an immaculate conception and an AARP miracle, just so we're clear, Okay. Zechariah was a priest to the chosen people of God and one day he's doing his work and an angel shows up and says hey Zechariah I have good news for you Elizabeth's pregnant and Zechariah's a little stunned and a little put off and the angel presses in and says and not only is she pregnant but she's going to have a son and you're going to name him John which doesn't seem like a really big deal to us in our culture but in that culture it was huge 
Because when you had a son, you were always supposed to name them after the father. That's the way that it worked. To name him John was completely out of the rules. He would become John the Baptist. And here's my issue. Zechariah asked a very simple logical question. How is this going to work? How can this possibly be? And because Zechariah asks a question and doubts the plan, the angel actually takes his voice away for a while. Here's my issue. Mary asks almost an identical question to a similar angel, and she's commended for her faith. What's up with that? Zechariah gets punished. Mary gets applauded. How does that work? Well, whenever anything bothers you in Scripture, you should probably start digging. So I studied this because it bothered me, and I studied commentaries in the original language, and here's what I came up with. Zechariah was a priest, and because he was a priest, he knew more. And because he knew more, he was held accountable. You see, Zechariah knew the presence of God, and he also knew the story of Abraham and Sarah, which is another beautiful, immaculate conception, incredible. And, and he also knew the miracles of God to his people. He knew the track record of God inside and out. And because of what he knew about God's presence with his people, it should have prompted faith, not doubt. Zechariah was held accountable for the truth that he knew. You see, Zechariah would have been teaching these principles of God with them all the way while he was teaching in the synagogue. As a teacher, he was held accountable for what he knew. There's a verse in Scripture, it's a New Testament verse that scares me every time I read it because of what I do for a living. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Here's what it means for you. What you do with what you know actually matters. Let me say that again. What you do with what you know actually matters. So apparently in her young age, there was room for Mary to ask a different set of questions. Zechariah was being held accountable for what he knew. So, so let, let me make sure that everybody understands this. If, if you are new in the faith, you're just figuring out this Jesus stuff, there's so much room for your questions. Please, ask your questions. Ask away. But let me talk to the veterans in the room for a moment who've been doing this for a really, really, really long time. There's also room for your questions. But there's an expectation of God that you will not waver and that you will live differently because you know with a knowing that God is with you. Veterans of the faith, never exchange what you know about Jesus for what you don't know. You know that God is with you. So here's the question, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? One more piece. Zechariah responds with doubt. You can actually hear a little bit of cynicism in his voice. How in the world is this going to be? Mary responds with faith. If you read the story, even though Mary was greatly troubled, this is what she said. And I want to remind you, Mary was probably 14 or 15 years old. She hears this crazy plan, and here's her response. May it be to me as you have said. That's faith. So Zechariah has this moment of disobedience. So you got Zechariah, and then you got a guy by the name of Herod. And I don't even want to waste too much time on this guy. 
Herod was an insecure leader who loved himself so much. Based on a rumor that there was another Hebrew king coming, he ordered the death of all of the Hebrew baby boys under the age of two. And we don't like our Christmas with a side of infanticide, but it's there. We can't ignore it. Herod is living in blatant disobedience. Thou shalt not kill. And God judges him, and ultimately it costs him his life. It costs him his life because unrepentant sin always does. The sinful line of Herod goes way, way back. In fact, if you read the Old Testament, you're going to find that along with this short line of disobedience is a short line of historical disobedience. In fact, if you read the history of the leaders of Israel, you're going to find a heartbreaking trend. Only five out of 20 kings in Scripture, listed in Scripture, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Five out of 20. So apparently human beings being obedient to God is a rare occurrence. And that's why I'm thankful today to be here in the room with a group of people who are walking a different direction. And I'm thankful today to be online with a group of people who want to walk in the opposite direction of disobedience and move towards obedience. So let's flip the coin over. So we've got a short line of disobedience, but here's the cool thing. There's an even longer line of obedience. I love the fact that included in this line of obedient people actually includes the guy who was at the head of the line for not getting it right. You know what that means to me? It means apparently God has room in his family for people who mess up. And I don't know about you, but if, but if you ask me what I'm grateful for when it comes to gifts for Christmas this year, I'm grateful for God's mercy. I'm grateful for God's forgiveness. Anybody else? there he is right at the top of the line again Boy, he was at the front of the line for disobedience now he's at the top of the line for obedience we find Zechariah and Elizabeth the Bible says this about him and his wife it says both of them were upright in the sight of God observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly Zechariah blew it he had a bad bad moment but he and his wife had a long history of faithfulness which means this, maybe already this week, maybe you made some very poor decisions. Maybe you willfully went against God's wisdom. Maybe you treated a friend horribly. Maybe you judged someone without even knowing their story. Oh, and then you told somebody about it, which is gossip, and, and, and all of those things are piling in on you right now. Can I tell you something? The only person who can make that right is Emmanuel, God with See, there's some things only Jesus can make right, but, but, but what does he need in order to do that? He needs a willing heart to want to make it right. Which means you can start today walking on the path of obedience, which means this. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is the path of obedience. It's, it's forgiving and not holding an offense. It's reconciling and not dividing. It's giving and not taking. It's loving and not holding hatred in your heart towards anyone. You say, I'm not sure I can do that. You can't. Unless God is with you. The examples of obedience continue. We've got Mary. I just love, I love this young lady. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And my imagination goes crazy when I think about these angelic conversations. I can just see Mary like, just like, okay, Mr. Angel, this plan sounds nuts. <laughs> This is biologically impossible. This is not going to go well. But, but if this is what God is asking of me, let's do this. What incredible faith. 
which prompts me to ask a question. What is God of asking, what is God asking of you, his child, this Christmas? And will you move beyond good intentions and actually be obedient? Will you follow in the steps of Mary who said, God, this, this sounds a little crazy, but whatever you want me to do, I will do it because I know you're with me. The examples continue. How about Joseph? <laughs> The Bible says when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had, com- had commanded him. So if Joseph woke up, it means he was asleep. And if he was asleep, I want to know what happened because if God asked him to do something in the dream, then just exactly what was that? I want to remind you what it was. The angel comes to Joseph and says, hey, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what's conceived in her is actually from the Holy Spirit. Here, here's, what, here's what the angel's saying. Hey, Joseph, it's okay to get married. She's telling the truth. I know it sounds like a crazy story, like a miraculous story, like an immaculate conception, but Mary's telling the truth. So it's okay. Don't be afraid. Take her home as your wife. God is up to something. I just love Joseph's obedience. Let me tell you a story of obedience. So, um, my wife, Laurel, works with our global partners. And it's amazing to see how our relationship has grown with people on the other side of the world who are doing the work of Jesus. And we get an opportunity to just come alongside and cheer for them and, and help them whenever we can. And God has been doing such incredible things through our global partners. By the way, some of them watch at different times. So to all of our brothers and sisters out there on the other side of the world who are doing such incredible work, we love you. Merry Christmas. But God started just prompting Laurel, just nudging her heart. Nudging her heart in, in a very practical way, just like some of, your, some of your partners need cell phones. It's very specific, right? Just nudging her heart, pushing, pushing, pushing. And you need to know that, that cell phones in other parts of the world are, are not just the things that, we, I mean, we, everybody got a cell phone, right? And a data plan and everything else, and we just use them for whatever we use them for. For our partners, it's the primary way in which they communicate, not only with us, but with their families. Often it's a safety thing because they go out into very remote areas to teach the gospel. And a cell phone is, it might even be, besides a Bible, the most important tool that they have in their hand. God laid three names on Laurel's heart Francesco, John, and Thomas. And so she stepped out in obedience and and started asking really, really good questions. And the feedback that we got back kind of went along the lines of this. Like, are are you serious? (laughs) One of them said, I, like, I don't even have, I've been borrowing a cell phone from a friend. I don't even have one that's working properly. Another said, it takes an act of magic (laughs) to get my cell phone to turn on. The other one was so blown away because they were praying for a 4K camera to keep doing video work with the kids from the Garden of Eden Children's Home and the phone that we were going to send them actually, what do you know, happens to have a 4K camera attached to the back of it. God answered their prayers through another's act of obedience. When we are obedient to Jesus Miraculous things happen. So here's my question. What is God prompting you to do this Christmas? 
Just do it. Move beyond good intentions. Take a step of faith and see whether or not God doesn't meet you in exactly the same place he met Zechariah and Elizabeth, Mary, and Joseph. Now we're adding a few more to the list. How about the shepherds? It says, when they had seen him, they spread the word. The shepherds were faithful with the story. And it it was so amazing that the shepherds were actually invited to the birthday party because we know something. I've preached this at different times. Shepherds were not welcomed into those kinds of venues. Shepherds were actually assumed to be liars, cheats, and criminals. They weren't even allowed to testify in a a Jewish court. And yet Jesus says, of all the people on the face of the earth that I want to have at my birthday party, I'm picking those guys. The night shift workers. The people who work outside all the time. I want them to come because what I know is this, when they're entrusted with this story, they're not going to keep it to themselves. And what was the story? The story was that Emmanuel, God, was actually with us. God told the shepherds to to go and share the story. He tells his children exactly the same thing. We're supposed to take the message that a Savior has been born for the forgiveness of sin. We're supposed to take that message, not keep it to ourselves. We're actually supposed to share it. We're supposed to go tell it on the mountain. Baker and Shuxon, and over the hills and plains and everywhere through Sumas, Everson, Nooksack, Linden, Bellingham, Sudden Valley, Ferndale, and the list goes on and on and on. I, I have a question. It's just been bubbling in my heart all day long. How, how can we claim to be the loving people of God and withhold an invitation that might allow someone to have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus on Christmas Eve. How about the wise men? The Bible says this was their testimony. We saw his star and have come to worship him. And I think it's often overlooked that the Magi left their families and their communities to follow the star of Jesus. I mean, it just says they were from the east. We have no idea how long it took them to get there. And yes, to be biblically accurate, the wise men showed up, not at the manger, but at a house two years later. You don't have to take your wise men out of the nativity. It's cool, okay? But we see the wise men show up to worship, and sometimes we forget about the journey that got them there. Mile after mile, cold night after cold night, following a star, this obscure little light that was leading them to Emmanuel, God with us. Today you came to worship. Some of you came to a room, some of you came to a living room, some of you came to a coffee shop, but you came to worship, and I need you to know this. The journey that it took to get here is not overlooked by God. He sees it. He knows the long miles, the long nights, the family dysfunction, the tough decisions, and every single tear that fell in order to get you to this moment. And I need to remind you, he was with you through all of it. Like, Grant, but I went through some really tough things. He was with you through all of it. But I'm still struggling. He was with you through all of it, and the greatest testimony is the fact that you're here. And he's with you. Back to the promise of John. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of 
truth. I'm reading this this past week and, and, I, and I will ask the Father and I will give you another, another counselor. I'll ask the Father, I'll give you another counselor. I've heard that phrase somewhere before. It sounds to me like a prophetic word that came 2,700 years ago and I want you to notice the symmetry here because we're going we're gonna to deal with a little Trinitarian theology. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One in three, three in one. If you think you can explain it, then I think you're fooling yourself and I also don't think you have much of a God. Because my God is above human understanding. But I want you to notice the symmetry. He said, I will ask the Father and he will send you another counselor. Listen to the words of Isaiah from 2,700 years ago. For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Anybody else need therapy to get through Christmas? <laughs> right? Anyone need a, a safe place to process? Anyone need a place to be told the truth? Anyone need a place to share your deepest thoughts and fears? Anyone else need a place to be with God so that he can counsel you? Jesus says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to appeal to the Father for him to send another counselor. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm all about human therapy. Believe me. In fact, if you've got a problem with the pastor of this church needing a therapist, you probably want to go somewhere else. Because <laughs> I not only need one, I depend on one. But I go to them second. Because I already have a brilliant counselor who waits for me every morning to see whether I have the wisdom to say, Jesus, I can't get through this day without you. So I want to tell you about all of my thoughts and fears. I want to claim the identity that you've placed inside of my heart. I, I want the new names that you've given me in the last series, new creation, overcomer, beloved of God. I want to embody all of that. I want to move forward with faith and passion and boldness. God, thank you for being my counselor. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will be with you in every single moment. And then Jesus tells us why. To help you and be with you forever. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to be with you every moment of your life. He'll be with you while you're trying to navigate your way through complicated family issues. He's going to be with you to help you see light in the midst of all of this darkness. He's going to be with you as you try to find peace in the middle of all the crazy. He will be with you to bring you peace. I put it in your outline. I thought it was so important. Peace comes not from an absence of trouble, but from the presence of God. Let me say that again. It's not original to me. Peace comes not from an absence of trouble, but from the presence of God. What got Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and the wise men through the Christmas story? God was with them. What's going to get you through Christmas? God is with you. To help you and be with you forever. And then he says this, the spirit of truth. It's the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but the Holy Spirit always pulls me in the direction of Jesus. He lifts me up and out into the presence 
of the Father. The Holy Spirit does that deep spiritual work inside of my soul. All of the things that need to be laid down and surrendered. He, he, he coaxes that out of me while he never ever leaves my side. Isn't it interesting that, that in the book of John, Jesus talks about this spirit of truth and we've talked about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit and it just makes me think of John 14, 6 where Jesus said again, I am the way, the truth, the what? The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me right now right here. God the Holy Spirit is with us. And he's not just here to be present. He's also here to fill us and release power within us and convict us and empower us and embolden us and refine us and challenge us and guide us and yes, to comfort us too. The Parkland Hospital in Dallas, Texas is uh, one of the busiest ER departments in the country. Their ER, just like our ER, has been inundated with cases. And a few years ago, in an attempt to unclog the system, the hospital leadership instituted a data analysis team to figure out why is it so hard to get services in our ER? They were trying to unclog the pipes of the system. The data helped them discover something that was astounding. They found out that a single group of 80 patients, 80 individual people, but a single group of 80 patients had been to the ER a total of 5,139 times in one calendar year. For the mathematicians in the room, that meant that these 80 patients on average had showed up 64.23 times to the ER in a single calendar year. For those of you who are not mathematically inclined, that means these 80 people every five-ish days through an entire year went to the ER and the bill for their services was over $14 million. Now be really, really careful because many of us would be prone to judge somebody right now without knowing their whole story. Just watch your heart. The hospital administration made the decision to interview these 80 frequent flyers. That's what they called them. They were trying to understand what kind of medical desperation would drive someone to an ER 64.23 times in a single year. So they sat down and interviewed all 80 of these people and asked them a simple question. Why are you here? Do you know what their answer was? I'm lonely. Not, I'm sick, I'm lonely. And the ER was the only place they could find kindness, love, gentleness, and some semblance of peace. You know what they were really looking for? They weren't looking just for a doctor, they were looking for someone to care. As the people of God who are never alone, we've been commanded by God to actually care. A hospital can't meet that kind of a need. But the people who have God with them, we can. And you know how we do that? One human being at a time. We are not alone. 
God is with us. And now we have a choice to be obedient to the call of God who is with us to live out the mission of Jesus with the Holy Spirit who, by the way, when he fills you, produces fruit in your life. Isn't it interesting what comes out of you when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. God is with us and he calls us, those who know Jesus, to accept the gift of his presence so we can share his peace and his presence with other people who desperately need him. Do they need a piece of paper? No. Do they need Jesus, God with us? Yes. So as you're getting ready to walk out the doors today, I'd like to offer you a Christmas gift. It's not coming from me, it's actually coming from him. And I believe this Christmas gift is worth pondering and worth sharing. It's the gift of God's presence because he is God with us. In the named series, one of my favorite names was his witnesses. You have been called to be his witness into a world. I don't know if you heard yourself sing it or not, but we talked about a weary world in sin and error pining Has anyone else noticed that the world's weary? We see it, right? The violence, the injustice, the pain. And God says what they need is me. So as God is with you, may you take both his power and his presence with you in order to invite others to experience the life-transforming power of Jesus that you have experienced and are experiencing right now because he still is Emmanuel, God with us.